not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The commander! <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, welcome back. To another mobile-rific episode of Fanholes Mobile Suit Mondays. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC, and I am joined by my fellow Gundam enthusiast with his big, thick, bushy black mustache. <laughs> Give a shout-out and let everybody know who's here. Hey, it's Mike, and I ain't gonna stand for no goddamn karaoke. <laughs> Especially when there's a hot chick singing and she was singing good. I was like, yeah, that's some good music. Why are they... I don't know, man. I'm like, bartender, bandage up my hands. Like, we ain't doing this. Man, Fetties don't have any taste, nope. man. No taste at all. So, if you haven't figured it out, this is a, a interim episode. And, and you know, we kind of got together at the last minute because as of October 31st, Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin Episode 2 Artesia's Sorrow was released digitally and you know obviously in the month of October I guess they had you know screened it in some theaters and all this good stuff and so basically now you know October 31st it was available for wide consumption so Mike and myself have seen it I rented the dubbed version and uh, you tried to rent the dub version, and you ended up renting the subtitled version. So between the two of us, we've seen both versions. I know I watched the, the subtitled version a little bit before we started this, but I wasn't really paying attention to it because I already sort of watched the dub version. But basically, again, kind of like the last episode, I, I don't think this is going to be a blow-by-blow -blow like of of everything that happens in the film but you know obviously we were excited about it we wanted to get together and shoot the shit and do a talk back about you know what what stuff we liked what stuff we didn't like and and what's going on here and everything and that's i mean that's pretty much what we're here to do i mean you know the the, the opening did you notice like the opening was like kind of like uh, obviously it was like a recap of in case it's kind of like in case you haven't seen episode one here's like everything that happened in episode one distilled into like two minutes but it was done with like the whole gundam narrator stuff from like yeah. the original 009 uh, you know 79 stuff so I, I i thought that was pretty cool I, like, I, I like it's like if you haven't seen the last episode why the fuck are you watching this one like, <laughs> but just in case you haven't like it's like who what what are we here to see it's like <laughs> we're, we're here to see artesia sorrow gundam the origin 2 grandma i never saw episode one it's like well pay attention to this and you'll be all caught up to who was the just watch it grandma you know like that's basically what it's for you know it was a time when humanity set out into space in search of new lands and they gave that time the name universal century Humanity entrusted their future to gigantic space colonies that had been constructed around the Earth. However, this second homeland was a far cry from the paradise that they had been promised. UC-0057. 
are are you excited? Are you happy? Like, I know obviously we were kind of like excited to watch it, but I mean, now that you've seen it, like, are are you satiated? Are you are you kind of glad like it's out? Like, what were your initial reactions to the to the piece? Well, having read like the manga that like you know this adapts obviously. Like, I figured that this episode would be like basically, I don't know the the dullest stuff basically of this whole like like you know story it's not very heavy on mobile suit action no not not at all and we can you know uh, i guess own up to or or you know advise the listeners that much if yeah what they're and like i definitely like the first episode better but this i mean this one had some good moments and i'm sure we'll get into it but like you know i, I think this episode was a little like heavy on stuff that's the stuff that i felt was kind of hokey in the manga basically okay, okay. and all, like yeah, all I, the, I'm, I'm i'm all all the uh the the whole kind of you know twin stuff and yeah. stuff you know where okay, it's all i guess i guess we might as well start off with that yeah let's let's talk about okay the fact that there is a real Shar Aznable. It's not just an alias. And not only is there a real Shar Aznable, he looks exactly like Casville Dykum, except for eye color. Like he's basically his like identical twin. He's like he's I was I guess Flash is like heavy in my head because I'm like he's like Earth Two, like Casville Dykum or something. You know, yeah, you know, it's weird. It's like part of that's like a clever, clever John Byrne thing to explain why his alias got him into the Zeon military without much fuss, seeing as how he's actually the son of Zeon Zoom Daikun. But then the part of it that's hokey to you is like the whole Shakespeare thing where it's like, hey, you just happen to be my exact freaking <laughs> double, you know? And it's like, I, I don't know, like there, there's I, I guess there's there's arguments to be made that, like, you know, I mean just the other day, I think I, I looked at some goofy-ass Twitter or Facebook thing where the guy's like, I, I think the idea was it's like the best selfie ever because the man was sitting on a plane and he was sitting next to his exact double quote unquote, like some guy he had never met in his life, but like they had the same beard and the same eyes and haircut and everything. And and they took this selfie and you can see all these people in the back of the plane, like all chuckling to themselves about how, you know, like, like these guys look like twins, but obviously they did not know one another. So it was like this whole goofy kind of, you know, <laughs> how, how, how weird is that? But, but that's what this is, you know, this, that, I mean, that's the only way I can rationalize it to you, even though I understand where you're coming from that it is like completely you know one of those things you you, you have to suspend your disbelief and yeah just be like all right they, he, he's his twin you know like they're, they're except for except for he's got brown eyes and and Casfall has blue eyes and Casfall kicks ass even though this is <laughs> not a mobile suit heavy episode yeah and i mean it's not exactly new for gundam i mean you've got in turn a like princess die and yeah what's her name yeah. her double and like yeah. they never they never really explain that but i felt like since turn a's like kind of style and like tone was kind of like almost like mythical like it wasn't something that like really needed explaining almost and then you know you've got stuff like you know the two lock-ons and double o and then you've got like i don't know even like schwartz and you know kyoji and and g gundam and i mean you know what's funny though i i just had this this strong sense of vindication just now and it didn't even occur to me because i was always hassled by some of my friends like why does that dude wear a mask his face isn't even scarred why does he wear a mask and of course i would always explain it's to hide his identity but you know what it's even more so to hide his identity now because if he wasn't wearing a mask they would know he didn't have brown eyes yeah so booyah motherfucker <laughs> i was right i was right yeah yeah. Anyway. No, I mean, yeah, like I, I totally get all that. Like, I, I think, you know, you, you, it's a it's just it's a very large suspension of disbelief, basically. And like like I said, I just I think the word I call it is like kind of hokey and, like yeah, you know, yeah. no, I but. get it. I totally get it. Do you suppose the influx of refugees will slow down anytime soon? I highly doubt it. The camps get more crowded every day. Algiers and Marrakesh have both been swallowed by sand. And now reports say North Africa is no longer fit for human habitation. We needed more radical and comprehensive policies to combat climate change. 
I, I, I told you this before we were going on air, and, and I was going to try to be diplomatic about it, but I don't know how to be diplomatic about it. There's there's this little reference in the beginning as they're driving up in their little Prius shitbox thing that they're trying to advertise for Toyota as they go up to Don <laughs> Tivolo Mass's house. And it's a little red car, so I guess it's supposed to be a nod to, you know, Char or something like that. But it's like the littlest piece of box crap ever, and it's supposed to be like one of these Econo kind of, you know, green, economically awesome cars or whatever that I can't believe can drive that fast without falling apart, but apparently it does. And and so Don Tipolo is having this conversation with some higher up, some high chairwoman or something, and they're talking about... Uh, you know, climate change and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, seriously, like what? Like, why do I even have to hear about this? In, in it, It's basically like trying to legitimize what's being said in the context of this is the far flung future. And there's still talk of climate change. And all I could think of is if climate change was real by this point in the future, the the earth would be a desert and if climate change isn't real then it's obviously still a big giant scam like i think it is and it's still ongoing so anyway but that's that's my big thing on that which i i couldn't i i didn't know why it was in there but luckily for me anyway i was like that didn't like ruin the whole thing for me but it was just like one of those opening things where i was like what what is this crap like get get away from this and then they get into like the normal story which is basically like sela and well, I guess, you know, at this point it's Artesia, but, but it's funny how, like, I didn't realize again, you know, like you're saying Char Asnoble isn't just an alias, but uh, I guess what are they, I'm trying to remember how they pronounce it. Cause I, I wrote down the name and, but then I wrote down the pronunciation of, of, uh, Casval's, oh, Edwa. Like they yeah. call him like in the, in the dub, they call him Edwa, but it's spelt like, to me, it's spelt like Eduard or something. But I guess it's supposed to be like French or something. I don't know. Like it's like Edouard. But anyway, so so his name's Edouard in the you know that's his you know Edouard Mass and her name is Sailor Mass. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that that to me was I mean I don't really think I ever knew their backstory in this sense before. I mean this I know I know this comes from the origin manga, but I mean th- is that the first that that must be the first time they've ever really dealt with the details of it right I, i'm pretty sure they've mentioned that his like his yeah his other name was ed edward i think it was like just in in some supplementary materials they said he went by the name of like edward mass or something but okay. like because you know they you know the the alias quattro bagina is a reference to quattro is his fourth name basically uh, so you've got Casfall, okay. edward and then uh, char and then quattro is his fourth is name fourth? okay yeah. Yeah, so like, I, i'm pretty sure yeah like it's it was mentioned in like some supplementary materials like you know way back when before this you know the origin was even like a glint in someone's eye but i think this is the first time they like you know legitimized it basically yeah no no that's very cool like that's something i didn't know about at all but that makes total sense when you when you spell it out and everything and then uh, the other thing that i was going to just mention because i think this is this is a strong point for for Casval Edouard's arc in this in this piece, but Sela, when the movie starts, is tending all these people in a refugee camp, and you know they're all very sick and ill people and everything. And you know they're they're basically she's kind-hearted, like she's a good girl, like she's trying to help out people and everything like that. So I respect that, I understand that. Of course, this is a village full of sick fucking refugees, and what's the thing that happens? She contracts a fucking fever virus from one of them, and she's very ill, like she almost fucking dies. So like there's that you know, dichotomy in me where it's like, okay, I get that she's being kind, but then at the same time, it's like, well, your bleeding heart, stupid shit almost got you killed. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I think that's going to play into why Casval makes some of the decisions that he ends up making. And, and I think, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the ultimate conclusion of, of the piece, but I mean, I think it makes perfect sense. Like, I think the way they set it up here, right here, right now, like, just illustrates like why he did what he did you have a fever there's a chance it's just a cold you should take some medicine and go to bed master castle 
We need to schedule your next lesson. His name is Edwa now. And you should really start calling me Salo Moss. Yeah, like, I, I definitely can see, like, the the path of, like, you know, character development, like, Casval goes through during this. And, like, I, I think I made the comparison when we talked about the first episode, where it's a lot more believable than, like, say, Anakin Skywalker or yeah, something. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So, you know, he, he basically sees all these people who, like, either compromise or show compassion or, or just kind of like beg for scraps and he, you know, and he, he eventually like learns that none of that is going to get him where he wants to go, basically. You know what I like about it better, too, is that that I think at some point, whether whether it's the McWhiny bitch stuff of Anakin or the fact that, you know, ultimately, like a lot of people would conclude, well, Anakin Skywalker is, quote unquote, evil when he becomes Darth Vader. Right. Like, I don't think I ever feel that way about Char. I mean, even even in the even in the actual original series, like he's that cool, aloof. I mean, yeah, he's the rival. He's the bad guy, quote unquote. But but he has that austere, you know, where he's he's basically outside of the realm of Cobra. You know, he's Storm Shadow. He's the guy who infiltrated the enemy to kill them from within and at, and you know at cost and great expense to his own personal existence. You know, he kind of pretended to be a. a, a supporter of you know Zeon you know and not his father's ideals so much as these you know basically the zombies you know he stomached working under the zombies only to destroy them all from within basically and that was his goal you know uh, you know the whole time and and so like that I don't know like for for me it's like I've never been like oh man Char sucks you know like he's evils you know I've just been kind of like dude I, I get why he does what he does I mean it makes sense to me I, I think his more ruthless nature and like some more like morally dubious decisions will probably come to light in the next episode. But like, yeah, like here you just kind of like feel like, OK, well, you see exactly what he wants. He wants to, you know, he wants to get revenge on these people who destroyed his family. So now and now he's been given like, you know, by a like a ridiculous almost twist of fate. He's been given like the perfect opportunity to do so. So, yeah, yeah. And yeah, like I, well, I, I you know you, 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 what's that phrase like? Don't, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Like don't, you know, when opportunity knocks, answer the fucking door. It's like opportunity is like banging on his fucking door, like let me in, yeah, let me in, you know. So he's like, okay, come on in, let's do this shit, you know. Like that's, that's yeah. kind of, you know. Edward and Sela are my children. <laughs> Those children are legally registered as members of the Moss family because you said they'd never survive otherwise. Well, surely you must have realized this was only a temporary arrangement. You are going too far. I will never let you claim Daikun's heirs as your own. If that's how you feel, then plan your scheme somewhere else. You are no longer welcome here. <sighs> but if you are so determined, and only if the children agree to go with you, then I will renounce all parental rights. And I will pretend that the last three years never happened. What you're asking me to do is a great sacrifice on my part. But that is insignificant compared to what Edwine and Sailor will have to endure if they really decide to risk their lives for such conflict. I'd like to talk about, I thought he did a good job. I, I should have written down his name, but, or let's talk about the character itself. Don Diablo. Like, I, I think, I think he was a, like, good character. Like, in a, a, the, the guy who did his dub voice was really good. Like, I yeah, think that, yeah. that guy who does his dub voice does, like, Dr. Robotnik or whatever on a bunch of Sonic cartoons okay, and stuff. Okay. So, like, that's, I think that's where I, where I had heard him recognize him. Yes. Yeah. But, like, I thought he was really good. And I thought, I thought he was, like, you'd think, like, I guess, with his with his title like Don Diablo, I I'd assume he was probably involved in some kind of like you know dicey shenanigans or you know he, he, he obviously you know with the with the, that title like it seems like he 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 might have been like. I don't know, like, I don't want to say he's, like, almost like a godfather or something, but... No, but but you've got you've got certain connotations yeah. when, when, you, when you hear that title. And, like, it seems like he has his own, like, he has his own, like, sort of, like, Scarface, like, security force, yeah. like, yeah. around that compound and stuff, so... But, like, I, I thought he was really well played, like, he seemed very, con like, legitimately concerned about the children that were, I, like, uh, obviously initially just put under his care as, like, a favor, but clearly he... he 
really cares about them. So, well, I, I I think that was the important part to take away from that dumb climate change scene is like in the middle of this conversation about that, you you realize that that these kids were kind of foistered upon him, but in living with them. Like, he's grown, he, you know, uh, the, the idea that he's never been a father before, and now he's experienced it. Like, obviously, he clearly does care about both children, even though, you know, the, the way the events go in the film, it's obviously like he lets, he lets Casval go, but, but you, you can... It, it's interesting. You can sort of see his influence on, you know, on uh, Artesia, on Sela a great deal, and, and they have a lot in common. I do also think that they have some of the same weaknesses, some of the same foibles and flaws that I would be critical of. You know, like, like basically you say, like, he's got those, the you know, his, his, his security force and all the dogs outside and all this other stuff and you know Casval's smart enough to even though he's at his sister's bedside and he's all concerned because she's got the fever like we were talking about like he can still sense like oh wait these dogs stopped barking like something's amiss like what's going on like he's always you know alert and 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 knows what is going on in his surroundings meanwhile Don Diablo's fucking passed out and he sleeps through fucking gunfire and fucking <laughs> a night trying to, you know, this this Middle Eastern assassin-looking guy, and one of the guys dresses up in, in a suit of armor that is on his, you know, in his estate, and, and tries to attack him in it, you know? And I'm just like, you know, and, and, and to be perfectly honest, like, when I first saw this, and he got, like, tossed out the window, I was just kind of like, oh, I guess he's fucking dead, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that was my original impression. And then, you know, when you see he's in the hospital, and, like, he survived the fall and all that kind of stuff, I go, oh, well, I guess he's not fucking dead. But at the time, I was kind of like, well, you know, you sleep through fucking gunfire. Like, you sort of you sort of deserve what you get, you know? <laughs> But but that was my my take on his kind of like the, the stuff I thought was was a weakness of his. But but I think, like you say, I think some of his strengths was that he was a, a genuine caregiver for these foster kids. And like, I, I sort of have respect for that because like, I don't I don't know, like, I, I don't know if I've ever brought this up on the show or not. But I mean, I've never really thought about something like that or when i do think about it i'm, I'm kind of like oh if that's not your blood like if you didn't marry somebody and have a child by them but you're adopting a child like i've seen friends that i've had in that situation where they you know maybe they marry into children or something you know and the, the child's not theirs but they become dad like i have the utmost respect for that like i just think that's really giving and genuine and i i feel like it's on a level like of giving that i could never have or yeah achieve, you know so like and i, I also i think don diablo has that that capacity of giving within him so like i do i do appreciate that part of his character because you could tell he genuinely like loves you know the kids yeah like i i also feel like it's all too often that like you know in in fiction you see like oh the foster parent is like an asshole and he abuses them or something you know i mean i i'm not gonna go like super super far into it but i mean there is some connection to me like i i would sooner think of of mon pa kent with superman than i would of like you know, I, I don't know, like Cruella DeVille or, or, you know, Cinderella or something like that with like the evil stepmother. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I would think more the, the, Don Diablo is more like a a, a caring, you know, an Alfred or a, a Mon Pa Kent, you know, some kind of surrogate parent that that genuinely cares for for the the protagonists that we're following. I also I really liked at the end, like the scene where he goes and he he talks to the the principal or the the superintendent of the school that like Casfall is going to, and you know the the guy's fucking like petrified of Casfall, and like <laughs> like Don Diablo's like you're not being straight with me, like what the fuck are you talking about, like why why are you giving my kid a hard time, like and then like he he kind of like you know he suggests he goes to a different school, so like Diablo like freaks out on him, but then like you know when 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 Castfall like starts beating the shit out of that one guy in the cowboy. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. he kind of like there's a kind of a close up on Don Diablo where he kind of start, starts to see it, like sort of like you know what? Yeah, that, I think I, I think is... I think that's why he lets I think yeah. that's why he lets him go. You know, it's like that that see that that's the part of him that I think 
he, that part of him is weak. That's the part of him that sleeps through the gunfire and and is exposed and open to those kind of attacks because he 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 can't be that deliberate he can't be as ruthless as char because he is such a giving person right but i i think i think it's double-edged you know it's like one of those things where it, it it's sad to me that he can be so giving but then he can sort of it, it it's funny he sees the coldness in in casval and so his only response is to just be shocked appalled and and not do anything, which I think is a little, you know, like obviously he's going to take care of Sela. I would as- imagine, you know, and, and and she will continue to stay with him until she, you know, goes off to do her own adult thing. You know, when we catch up with her in the original series. But I just, you know, yeah, that that was kind of my my take on that situation. You mentioned like the yeah, like the 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 night and the attack on the compound. Like I know I think we taught, we sort of compared like the politics in the last episode to Game of Thrones. But did you think of like the mountain from Game of Thrones when that night like started like attacking them and stuff? Like I I was kind of like huh. that's interesting. It didn't it didn't occur to me. I mean, the, to me that was the main like it's funny like we say there is not really a lot of mobile suit action in this per se. And and I I, I took that to be the main one of the main action beats yeah. of the, the show you know they're they're on the run from this guy in a night suit and you know it's like oh are they going to fall off this bridge like what's going to happen and then you know my my favorite part of it is of course the 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 coup de gras of of little char you know and he, he takes the fucking sword and and he's got these slits on the mask and he like stabs the fucking sword right through the slit in the guy's fucking head and you know i'm just like yeah stab that motherfucker you know like dude. yeah well, like, I, I was thinking of all that backstory they have on Game of Thrones where they say, like, the mountain, like, killed, like, the children and, like, he, you know, he was huh. just this yeah, yeah, big, yeah. horrible, like, you know, monster in knight's armor, basically. And I, I was kind of like, well, yeah, that's, this is kind of something he would do, like, you know, what with that guy. Like, Except for he, he may have actually been successful. Yeah, he was successful, basically, but this guy was not. But, like, I thought that was very effective, like, that you never see that guy's face or, you know, he never talks like i thought it was like yeah. a- very eerie and like you know yeah because it's it's not very clear i mean the, the way they they try to explain it is i i mean i i might imagine it's one of those three guys that they pass outside like when the cars go by oh yeah and, yeah the guys with the the turbans and the the other you know kind of desert looking gear or whatever they had on and everything i mean i could imagine easily it's one of those guys that dressed up in the knight's armor but i mean you don't really it's not spelt out you don't you don't know that for sure yeah no wait come back no stop don't go that way Quit dawdling. And didn't I tell you not to open that thing until later? Let's go. I never should have bought that for you. Sarah, what's wrong? Uh, nothing. There was a boy chasing after his big toy. It almost got away. It did, huh? <laughs> I guess he wanted that toy pretty badly. I mean, the the idea is, I guess, getting into some of the... the I guess maybe we'll call them cameos, but I mean the the idea is that Cecilia is the one who hired all those guys to to not not only kill the children, but it, you know I mean they did succeed in I, I guess we haven't talked about this, but they did succeed in killing Jimberall. You know what I mean? Like yeah. finally got the old fuck. You know that okay. basically it's like all the old people in this for some reason to me sound like Doctor Zayas every time I <laughs> I listen to them. You know it's like I don't know I don't know what it is, but it's like when when he's given when he's doing the studies and giving giving Char the speech. You know I I feel like I, I'm always like I have flashbacks to the like tell us bright eyes like why. Why are apes better than men? You know, like, <laughs> I always have flashbacks to that because he's he's basically just saying, you know, going through the same motions again and again, you know, kind of reiterating like the 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 zombies poisoned, you know, their father and that kind of thing. And even Sale is like, all right, I've heard this story like five hundred fucking times. I know the story. Like, I'm feeling sick. Can we can we skip to the part where i fucking go to bed and rest you know like that kind of thing you know speaking of that like i kind of feel like it's it's not said out loud but i thought it was kind of implied you you think that they were slowly poisoning like 
Casfall and Artesia's mother, like, until she died. Like, I mean, I, I, obviously she was, like, you know, you could have go, like, the, the episode three route and say she died of a broken heart, you know. But, <laughs> I, I, you know, like, I, I feel like, you know, they were slowly poisoning her to death as well. And, like, you know. Well, you, you know what, what it's like, too. It's like, it's like when, when I saw her like in in that tower it's like it's like that that scene where Haman comes and visits her and and Haman is still you know like she's not the way she is in the series but even in the series she's still beautiful even if she's not young and 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 like it, it's that that weird dichotomy of seeing two gorgeous lounge singers who both at one point were at the top of their game in their prime. They looked beautiful. They sung beautifully and all this other stuff. And now you have Tommen, who is still kind of in her element. But then, you know, you've got the, the mother. And it's like, it's like when you see someone that you've known for so long. I mean, it reminded, you know, to me, I mean, because, you know, the mother dies, you know, and it's like this sad thing and everything. I mean, it reminded me of, of seeing my own mother, you know, like, because it was like, you just sat there and you kind of thought, what happened? Like, you know, yeah. the, the way that the person changes so drastically and everything and, and, and how they look and stuff. And, and you're just kind of thinking like, you know, like you're saying, like you, you either suspect like foul play or, or just the fact that they lock her up in that fucking tower. I mean, the idea is like there's that exchange of the lines where, where she comes up and it's like, it's time for her to eat. And Haman's like, you fucking done enough. Like, so, you know, either the food's poisoned or it's fucking crap or, you know, whatever it is. Like, you know, you're like, all right, you've done enough of this shit. Like whatever kind of torture you're putting this fucking woman through, you know? Yeah, I thought that was very sad. And, you know, obviously, like, Casfall and Artesia's reaction to it is, like, quite heartbreaking. And Man, like, 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 all I can think, man, is, like, this title is, like, you know how sometimes people say the title doesn't deliver, you know? Well, this title <laughs> certainly fucking delivers. Yeah. Because this chick's had a really, really fucking bad day, man. I mean, Sailor, it's not enough, yeah. like... It's like it's like okay, she's got it. She she's already busted up because because they get the letter right, and the letter from Hallman says like okay, like be strong, but you know by the way, like even though you haven't seen her in a billion years, like your mom's died, and then she's she's crying over that, and then fucking the little annoying fucking anime cat Lucifer <laughs> fucking finally croaks, and they build a you know not only do they have an unmarked grave for the mother, but they've got a little cat grave out there and everything, and I'm sitting there going oh. Geez, Jesus Christ, like, like now she's got the, the little cat grave, too, and everything. And then, you know, of course, then her brother's going to leave, because, you know, obviously that's that's the, the, the you know, climax of the piece. You know, he kind of decides, look, I can't be... I can't be bound and chained because of that, you know, the sequence you describe where he finally, you know, loses it on one of the guys following them and everything. And he, he slams the beer mug down on his fingers and like beats the crap out of him and everything. And he's basically he's going to kill this guy. And, and the only thing that stops him from killing this guy is his little sister. And, and I think that's the key, you know, it's like, that's the bleeding heart stuff where he's like, look, I can't, I love my sister, but I can't have that whole, you know, th th it's interesting you bring up Anakin, because I thought of that in that scene, because, and it's not, it's not such an annoying thing, it's not like this whiny McBitch thing of, you're holding me back! <laughs> like, but literally, like, she literally is holding him back from doing what he needs to do. Like, he should kill that fucking guy. But she stops him, and he says, all right, fine, I promise not to do it. But I think he realizes in that moment, like, I can't ever make a promise like that again and stay true to my goals. So it's like he's got to just remove himself from that equation. It's like I can't, I can't be held back by, you know, my my fucking little sister, you know, having a yeah. tiny fit over fucking 
bullshit you know like that that was my take on it anyway yeah. and like okay. that's that's kind of how i took like the the conclusion of the the piece which you know i mean i i guess people could have other interpretations i'm sure some people will will you know relate more to to artesia and everything and and like i said i feel bad for the girl like it seems like she went through hell and this you know, whole fucking thing so you know i read a review there was like a live screening of like the the dub like at a uk convention like a week oh, or two okay. ago okay and then in the review it said when lucifer died like the crowd like laughed like because it was like so like overdone and like overwrought almost like like that clearly that's not the reaction they were they shooting were going for, for. Yeah. i i kind of feel bad for that that's too bad i mean i i kind of yucked like i kind of yucked it up because it was the anime cat but like at the same time like i i put myself in her shoes where it's like oh well if your pet died on top of your mother dying like on top of being separated from your family and your father getting poisoned you know what I mean? Like, like I mean, to me, it's just like uh, that's all I could think of. Is I was like, man, worst fucking day ever, right? Like, I mean, this day must have sucked. Speaking well, before we go on to something else. Speaking of wacky anime animals, the freaking horse that Artesia is, ri <laughs> is riding like has the best facial expressions like in this whole like movie. <laughs> it's like it's like she's I, like. I don't, know, I don't know if you can qualify that as a horse. It's like it's like a little little bastard pony or something. Yeah, it's, it's like. like it's like, damn, girl, lose some weight. He's like gasping. And it's like, like it's like Artesia's horse, played by Eddie Murphy. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically like, yeah, he's like, what, what, what do I have to carry you around? Like, yeah, it's a pretty name. Mirai is Japanese, right? If I remember correctly, it means the future. Mm -hmm. A fine name indeed. I hope a good future is in store for you both. Maybe speaking of some some happy things, some things that might get us giddy, besides the the zombies, you know, besides Cassilia and and Girin and you know stuff like that, like uh, there there was that funny bit after they have their little conversation and everything that where where Degwin invites Garma into the main car and they both kind of look at each other and have that moment and Garma's like yeah I get to ride in the main car you know <laughs> and shit yeah. like that so like I thought that was a funny cameo bit from Garma and then you've got like lots of fun cameos I mean it, when when Don Diablo gets messed up and everything he's in the hospital and then who should visit him but Shu Yashima and then of course he brings along his daughter who we all know as the the, basically the the captain or the pilot or whatever the head the head uh first That's the helms woman helms woman of of the white base who, who is mirai yashima so like that i thought was cool and you know there's the little bit where she sees the it's like are those the children and she sees them in the window and everything so it's like all these brief brushes with characters i mean i guess, I guess you could point to the same goofiness of having twins that all these guys have near brushes with this one of them yeah but but I mean I enjoyed all the all the cameos they had. I mean, do do we want to get into like the the biggest cameo, <laughs> like the Amaro cameo? Amaro, yeah. like that that I was I was super stoked to see. Yeah, that like, that was great. Like yeah, and then like I guess this is getting into something else. They got like Toru uh, Fu, uh, what's his last name? A uh, Fu, Fu Ru, Ru I I don't know how to say it. Like pronounce it in Japanese. There's too many R's in Japanese. They got him, like you know, the original voice of Amuro to like voice him like again for that brief cameo, right? Right. And like, like he sounded great. Like he he did a little kid voice. You know, he he was fine. But I don't know. The thing they got like Shuichi Ikaida, who was the voice of Shar Aznable. Yeah, yeah. I I noticed that when I was because I I knew. Well, I wasn't sure, but I I knew I I might not have enough time to watch the the Japanese you know language version, and and I was like I said before we started this, I, I had a little bit of time, and I put it on the background while I was eating dinner, and when it got to the the voice there, I'm like that sounds like the like really for real Char, you know, yeah. and then and then that's when I started looking up names and just well, making sure and stuff. Well, I was gonna say like I didn't I I wasn't like so like jazzed about that because like he was trying to sound 
sound like younger, but like he couldn't quite do it. Like I felt like. Oh like, no! What what is he? Probably like fucking in his seventies. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I yeah, like cut the guys from fucking slag. Yeah, like I, I like that's a point where I think like the dub voice. I think it's Keith Silverstein, who also obviously voices Full Frontal and like Adult Char and right, stuff right. like that. And like I thought he did a lot better job better of sounding job. Yeah. younger. Yeah. But, you know, I, I guess it's more of a respect thing in, like, Japan. And, you know, obviously it's, like, a fan, you know, a, a fanboy thing, too. Like, I oh, think yeah. people would yeah. be happy to hear their voices. I did it! I passed! I got into the military academy! Isn't that amazing? I, I was also going to say, you know, I was looking up, like, some of the kid dub cast and stuff. You know, the dude, the, the voice of Char, the real Char Aznable, like, you know, the, the double Char Aznable is a Ben Diskin, who we might know better as Eddie Brock on Spectacular Spider-Man. So I was going to I was going to be like, hey, bro, how's it going, man? That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Can we, I, I know you wanted to bring up like goofy horses and, and, and personified animals. Y you know what threw me like when I was watching this? Haman's fucking outfit. Like what is up with, she has got a slinky black dress on, but then she's wearing a fucking tie. <laughs> I'm like, what, who the, you know, I know we don't have any female listeners, but you know, if, if we did like. Can you tell us what's up with that? Because I, I don't know who designed that, but it must have been a man. Because, like, obviously, like, I was just like, what? Why? Why? Just, yeah, if you guys haven't seen this, like, watch the scene. Like, like it, it, I mean, obviously, the singing's kind of fun in the in the lounge and everything like that. And the, the bar fight that Romberal gets into is pretty kick-ass. But when, when she's in one of those scenes, she's got, like, a tie with this slinky black dress. And I'm just kind of like, what? why are you wearing a tie? Like, you know, and it's not even like it's like, you know, some drunk guy put it on her because, I don't know, he thought she was hot or something like that, and it's kind of loosely on there. No, it's like, that's part of her outfit. Like, and I'm just kind of like, that doesn't make any sense. But Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I get you. That, that was a little weird to me, too, but... I don't know. Like I, I didn't, I didn't think like too much into it. Basically, no, 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 I didn't. But I just figured it's worth mentioning because that, that totally did. I, I stopped and it, that took me out of it for a minute. Like it wasn't in, like I said, like the climate change stuff. Like it wasn't enough to like you know ruin the whole piece for me or anything. But it was one of those moments where I was like, why does she have a tie on? Like this doesn't make any sense. So that, that, that kind of like a. It felt like one of those like topical references that might not sound so good like twenty ten or twenty yeah, years yeah, down yeah, the line. But yeah. Let's. I guess we'll, we should. I haven't even mentioned him. Well, we mentioned him briefly, but let let me talk about like my favorite character in this whole movie. Yeah. Which probably maybe yours too, aside from like Castfall is Ron Baral. like he's yeah 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 you know, like we loved him in the first like episode and he's like he's pretty great here too yeah, yeah. and you know like the guy who voices him I, is named uh, Kirk Thornton and like uh, like I was looking at all his roles and I was kind of like oh yeah like and like he's voiced a lot of like my yeah. favorite like anime characters like he's voiced like Saito from Roroni Kenshin he's voiced uh, Annabelle Gato and Gundam Double O Eighty Three yeah, yeah. He was the voice of Guile in Street Fighter 2, like, the animated movie. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so, like, like he was a very, like, familiar voice. Like, if you watched anime for a long time. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you, well, I mean, you, I, I would think most people, like, if, if they're listening to this as a Gundam show, I mean, you, you recognize Annabelle Gato's voice, so that's... That that would you'll, you'll recognize it in like you know the opening to Mobile Suit One Days like yeah so yeah so so the, when you hear Ron Burrell's voice on some kind of clip you'll be like oh yeah like yeah, but, no but yeah. I thought he was he was good like and you know we were talking about yeah I know you were like sort of like criticizing in the last episode how like Dozel seemed a bit like really over the top and goofy in the first episode but I think like he showed like a a lot of like maturation like in this episode yeah. There, I don't think there was any indication of that at all. Like there wasn't any of that kind of, you know, like the, he, he seemed pretty, pretty straightforward, you know, as far as, and I, and th that sequence was really interesting to me because it, it's like, you're sitting there going, Oh wow. We're seeing the origin of like mobile suits, you know, like, cause 
they're 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 testing these suits and they've got like the mobile worker zero one and they get in Rambaral to test the mobile worker zero two. I mean, if if mobile suits are your thing and you're listening to Mobile Suit Mondays, so they probably are, like this is this is the the point in this piece where it gets a little bit away from the character driven stuff and you get into a little bit of the history of of how mobile suits came onto the scene. And you, you know what I liked about it is like I liked that like they were testing mobile worker one against like a federation gun tank and like it finally clicked to me like the gun tanks were awesome for the federation when there were no mobile suits yeah but then once there were mobile suits then it was like they were this antiquated relic but they still were considered like you know that they, they were the the stable the status quo for so long they still kind of hung out there and like i don't know why but that just i don't know like they gave me a new appreciation for like gun tanks like where i was just kind of like oh well now they don't seem as lame to me as they did before (laughs) like like i sort of appreciate their historical impact and significance within the universe more than i they did before because it's like they were you know it's like it's like one of those things where it's like oh you know the I, I, I can't think of a modern equivalent, but, you know, maybe something like, you know, the M16 or an F-16 jet fighter or something like, you know, something that was just the cream of the crop for like ever and ever and ever and ever. And then maybe something comes along and it's like, oh, wait, now we got an F-22. And it's like, well, we still have some F-16s, but the F-22s are really the way to go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whatever it is, like, like that kind of thing. I'm probably talking you, out my ass because I don't know yeah. anything about planes, but hopefully I'm getting the planes right. But, you know, like that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking of. Like, oh, the gun tank was, was the cream of the crop, but, but, but it, it, it was it before, quickly got supplanted, you know, before now, did you think they were like only a step above a ball or something? Yeah. Or... Like, like I, I was always kind of like, you, you know, like it's like even in the movies where you're like, you know, it's like Hayato and, and Kai, like, you know, it, it was like when, whenever they were running around in the gun tank, it was always like, come on, man, get out of the fucking gun. And it's like <laughs> in the movies, you know how they gave them both GMs and you're just like, oh, thank God. Like, oh, yeah. it's not, it's not ridiculous. Like, they both have GMs. Like, that's, that's kind of how I always felt about it. And like, and like, now I'm kind of like, oh, I, I sort of get it now. Like, like, it's like, it's like they, they were just, you know, Hayato was, was driving a tank, you know, basically like, and tanks were important, you know, like, so I, you know, I, I, you know, that, that's just, yeah, no. I get you. But yeah, I, I really liked all that, like, mobile suit, like, test stuff. And <laughs> I really liked, uh, like, Rambo Rolls, like, complaining about, like, when when they actually, like, finished the first, like, mock fight and stuff. And he was like, he was like, this is completely messed up, like, General Dozo. Like, he, <laughs> he just tried to fucking kill me. And, like, this cockpit is a goddamn death trap. Like, yeah. There's a little bit, it's a little bit of McCoy in there somewhere, you know? <laughs> like, like, it's like, damn it. You know, damage him. Bandage. You do what you need to do and don't worry about the mess. Thanks, Clem. In that case, I won't hold back. Yeah, it's good stuff. And I, I really like also like the black tri-stars like are there at the beginning too. Like it, it seems like in the in the show kind of like they, they just sort of pop up and then like they're the bad guys for an arc and then they die basically. Right, but right. like here, it seems like they were, you know, when you kind of hear, like I said, I think I mentioned in the last, like when we talked about the last episode, like, you know, supplementary materials are like word of mouth basically says like, oh, the black tri-stars were the ones who like captured General Revel like back, you know, before like the series started and like. And they they have a rep and whatever, but like here it's kind of like you know building them up as you know they were like pioneers of like mobile suit combat. Basically, yeah, th- this series has the advantage of having that like twenty twenty hindsight in terms of its storytelling because you can you can add elements like the Black Tri Stars, you can add elements like Anaheim Electronics, you know, before they were officially introduced into canon because it's like it's not like. It's not like Anaheim was ever mentioned in the original series, but it came up in Zeta and then it like just sort of perforated into like a lot of the other series, whether it was like 0083 or Victory or or whatever, you know, series it ended up in. And like this, you know, again, you know, Anaheim was meeting with Jim Baral, you know, so it's like you, you can you can trace those those elements back to, you know, 
certain aspects of the series, but but it, in hindsight, you know, it's like, oh, look, the, the, these, you know, it's like one of those things that, that kind of retcon where it's like, these guys were around since forever, you know, like they were always in the background, like, you know, basically building, you know, weapons of destruction and selling them to, to whoever wanted to sort of start their own little, you know, uprising. Yeah. And Char and Caswell were secret cousins. Secret cousins. I like when they like. It's like I, I like how Sailor's all worried and shit because they look exactly alike, and she thinks like something bad's gonna happen, and then all of a sudden they just like yeah. high five, <laughs> and it's like okay, it's all good. Like they're everything's cool. cool. Yeah. It's like they're cool. They're cool. You know. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't think it's a spoiler to tell you that, like, you know, obviously Castful will steal his identity. What? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God, dude. You totally ruined it. (laughs) I was just waiting for it to happen. It didn't happen yet. No, I guess I guess they're going to. Yeah. Like they've already. I don't know if you watched it yet, but they've released a trailer for the next one. Uh, Okay. No, uh, I haven't. New trailer, the next, yeah. the next one seems to focus on like Char's time in the military academy, like the Zeon military academy, or I should say Castfall, but he he'll be Char at by that point. Yeah, him and it, it kind of builds his relationship with Garma and like stuff and how the Zeon like really first started to rebel and stuff like that. So I think there there'll be a lot more like action. I think in the next episode, is there a projected release date for that? episode three of this um, the first episode came out in what like may or i i forgot I, I think so i i would i would estimate yeah like first quarter there's or... six months or something yeah every six months because it's okay. gonna be four in total so okay okay do you think you think it's gonna like part of me was wondering i know like it's supposedly gonna be four episodes like do you think it'll end up being like unicorn where we end up getting like a fifth episode or something crazy I mean, it could be if they want to stretch it out. I think, I'm trying to think, it was like three volumes of the manga, like the hardcover manga they just like released in the U.S. So, I don't know, that's like uh, maybe like 600 pages or something. So, I don't know. I mean, they. I suppose they could, but they, so far they've they've been adapting it pretty like strictly, as far as I can tell. I mean, I I don't have them in front of me. Like they're away in storage, so I can't really like say, oh, this scene was missing or whatever. But right, like, right, right. there's yeah. there's been nothing in these that I like haven't like you know something like oh I didn't see that in the manga. Like right, the, right, yeah. It, so. it seems pretty pretty strict, or or at least seems to you know use from the source material then. I'm just sad. Like I think we mentioned it in the last review, but I'm like I'm sad. Like they don't add in like a little bright cameo or something where right. bright's like this. Like I don't know. Like probably like bright would probably be I don't know like 14 or 15 at this time or something or maybe a little older than the rest of them. But it'd be funny if he was like his dad or something was like whatever you do wrong, I'm gonna slap you. Like and bright's like. <laughs> I'll remember that, Dad. I'll remember that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed this. I mean, even despite the lack of mobile suits. I mean, I, I've i always said this. I mean, I, I have a tough time keeping track of the names of mobile suits and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I've always been more about the characters anyway. So, I, I was still entertained by this, even though, like like we said, if you if you are a huge fan of the mobile suits, then I suppose this, this portion of it is fairly lacking. But I, I found it all pretty interesting, and I'm... I'm, you know, of course, like like we both are. I was excited to watch it, and I I felt like I had a good time, you know, watching the episode and everything. I mean, this is a good time to be. I, I feel like not that it's it's like this great resurgence or anything, but I, I mean, I think it's a good time to be a fan of Gundam. I mean, we've got these projects in the pipeline where there are dubs getting done, whether it's Unicorn or the Origin, and then wasn't there like another show? that was fairly new that was announced as getting like a dub from somewhere yeah, like iron blooded orphans is supposed okay. to get a dub like early next year and okay also, okay i think they said something like either i forgot um i don't know if it was it was like reconquista or something recent but like they said something else was getting dubbed too like okay yeah okay. But yeah, and they they just also announced an adaptation of the manga uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt. 
Yeah, and yeah, so, that was the other thing I was thinking of. I think yeah. that has a, a English dub that's going to be yeah, coming. Yeah, so, so. It's, it seems like these more higher-end ones, they get, like, a simultaneous, like, you know, production schedule, basically, where, you know, both studios get the animation and can dub it, like, uh, fairly close together, at least. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's encouraging. The, the, the only thing I would say is, like, for me, like, it might be kind of exciting to actually go to some place where they actually screen one of these in a theater, even if it is with a bunch of people in the UK laughing at the anime cat's death or something. It might be kind of fun to actually, you know, watch yeah. it in a theater. It's always fun to see it with a bunch yeah. of fans. Yeah. yeah, like like I just, like a couple, a month or two ago, I saw Resurrection of F with like a, a theater full of like Dragon Ball fans. And I mean, it was a great experience. Like everyone was like, you know, everyone was on the same wavelength basically, so... Yeah, yeah, it'd be fun to, to check out episodes like this with a bunch of Gundam fans and stuff like that, and hopefully, you know, people can be sad and cry, and people can laugh and chuckle and cheer when, you know, Char sticks a sword down somebody's fucking face, and, you know, all that good stuff, you know? So, I, I you know, like I said, I, I recommend this if folks are fans, obviously, like, you know, we're, this is, this is on the... We're we're on the front lines of Gundam fandom with this. Like we we both enjoy it, I can tell. And I mean, obviously, you know, I I recommend it, and and everyone else should definitely check it out. And we'll, we'll try to get this as fast out as possible. Like make it a pretty recent episode, and and have everybody get our impressions as soon as possible. Yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have to say. All right. Well, then, I guess that wraps things up for this episode of Mobile Suit Mondays. So we just want to say we appreciate all the feedback and everything that people give. We appreciate the likes on Facebook. I know a lot of the Tumblr stuff has been blowing up on the Tumblr page. And we definitely appreciate all the, I guess, what what is it, retumbles or reblogs or retweets <laughs> re-blogs, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, we appreciate all those, and, and we get excited about stuff like that. We're really happy that people are, are sharing episodes with other venues and avenues and everything like that. I know, you know, my buddy John, the engineer nerd, has done that a couple times, and I've seen some other folks who I'm not, you know, familiar with in terms of, we haven't podcasted with them or anything, but we definitely appreciate when folks, you know, share or retweet or, or do things like that, so that's always very exciting for us, and of course, like we mentioned all those social medias we are definitely on all those social medias the twitters the tumblers the facebooks and stuff like that we're on itunes we can be streamed on stitcher radio and we can be sent email so if you're grumpy with something i've said you can certainly send angry angry emails at fanholespodcast at gmail.com and that is pretty much it so until the next time This is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off! Hey, it's Mike, but I'm not, my name wasn't really Mike, it was something else, but then I killed some guy and took that name. It was my Earth 2 counterpart. Dude, I was a good guy, but now I'm a bad guy. (laughs) And I'm from Earth 2. Oh, you're a bad guy? Well, once I give you my name and address, I'll just lock you up in my secret gulag. And I will be locked up, even though I'm smashed into a million pieces. you'll never escape. You'll never escape and put that knowledge to use. I I won't. No, the, I, I forgot what it was, but I looked at the guest list for, like, the Rhode Island one, and it's pretty good. Like, this, I know, like, I think Steeljaw told me it's really good this year, but I, I forgot who was supposed to be there. That's cool.
But I don't know. I, I also suffer from like that affliction. You know how they say like never meet your heroes. Or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so it's like somebody and then they're a doofus. Yeah. yeah so sometimes I, I was like, I don't really want to meet that person. Like I, I'm, I'm cool from a distance, basically. But... Well, most times I'd say like nine times out of ten, as long as you're in a venue where it's accepted, like, and you're not a total douchebag, and you're just like, hi, I'm here to get a picture and an autograph or i'm here to you know stand next to you and take a picture or something and it's all arranged and pre-planned like usually people are fairly nice you know like yeah that's what I like hear. like i'd say nine times out of ten i mean occasionally i'd run into people where they they'd rub me the wrong way or like you could tell they're not designed to socially you know it's like they're an artist or they're a writer or they're a, yeah. you know, whatever they're not designed to socially interact with somebody but they're not exactly mean you know but occasionally like you like you said sometimes you'd run at somebody and you're like oh you know it was like one of those i remember when i sort of met rob liefeld one time and it was just like yeah hey daryl you know because he like tried to read my name off my name tag <laughs> or and couldn't read it so like and it was just like one of those things where you're like i'm not daryl <laughs> you know or whatever yeah. 